Welcome to What's Your Beef? What's Your Beef is proudly supported by Suncorp Bank, helping local producers through the ups and downs since 1902. Each week we will introduce you to people working in the beef industry and some of the characters that help deliver the iconic event that is Beef Australia. Hello, this is What's Your Beef and I'm Jane Cudahy. It's hard to know exactly how to introduce our guest today. He's had so many interesting roles and experiences, I feel like a job title just doesn't do it justice. But in a sentence, Angus Street is the CEO of Auctions Plus, Australia's most trusted online... And we'll come to why there's horses neighing in a second. Um, most trusted online auction platform for agricultural and livestock sales and more recently, probably horses, Angus. Thanks so much, Jane. <laughs> I did have other things to say, but I feel like um, we should explain why you've got such, um, got such a background noise today. Yeah, apologies for that. So I'm uh, up at the Nutrient Classic in Tamworth. Uh, it's been just under a decade since Auctions Plus has, has been here to interface the sales. Wow. So this is a brave new old frontier. That's exactly right. And I think that's probably what it's been like for, for the past 12 months. Um, but for the equine sector, you know, we just feel fortunate to be in a position where we can bring buyers from all over Australia um, that may be affected by COVID. Um, and travel restrictions, we can bring them to the sale here in Tamworth. So we're having some good success. We're buying a few online and, and everybody seems to be happy. Fabulous. Look, I will get into the Auctions Plus and I guess your role in that and, of course, um, the history of, of Auctions Plus and where it's headed. But right now, we, I want to talk about you. And, look, I don't want to say this as I barely know you, but I did do some shameless um online stalking in the lead up and, and you sound like a bit of an overachiever Angus I'm not gonna lie um <laughs> I do understand that you you've got a beef background though so um that evolved into study in that area so tell us tell us where where you've come from and and why you first decided to to start collecting your degrees in agribusiness thanks for that Jane and that's very kind um <laughs> that there's many days that I never thought I don't think of myself as, as an overachiever um <laughs> I, LinkedIn I, says otherwise, Angus, but carry on. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, so we've got a, I grew up on a cattle property in, in northern New South Wales, um, just outside of Scone. Um, I, I did the pretty traditional schooling, you know, boarding school in Sydney. I uh, took a gap year over to the UK and then I um, went back to Sydney University where I studied ag science. I think it's, I mean, it's a pretty uh, fairly worn path. Uh, my grandfather, my father had done something very similar. Um, and I loved ag science, uh, but I probably loved university more. <laughs> it's a common theme recently, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess once I've, I'd, I'd realised that I was probably two years into my ag science degree and that I'd probably failed a few too many subjects, I needed to take a bit of a, a right-hand turn. Um, I was at a crossroads in my studying career and I needed a change. So I jumped ship and went north of the border into Cane Toad Territory um, where I studied a business degree at Bond University. So that was really where I sunk my teeth into some study and, and really probably started to enjoy learning. Oh, great. Well, you know, Queenslander, we do, we do what we can. We do what we can, Angus. Now, you then went on and became a journalist and you didn't sort of stay with that particular vocation for, for a while, did you? Yeah, I, I loved writing. 
Um, I loved speaking to people. I loved hearing people's stories. And I, I felt really fortunate and, and humbled to be that storyteller and, and share those stories to a, a greater audience. Uh, and that's what really drew me to journalism. Um, unfortunately, the GFC hit a couple of years into me being a journalist. And um, I think journalism took a turn for worse during the GFC. And, um, and unfortunately, the love and the, and the enjoyment of writing was really sucked out of it. Um, and that's unfortunate. And, and I think, you know, the GFC also aligned with the internet booming and, and digital newspapers and social media taking off. So I think it was just a convergence of um, unfortunate circumstances. Um, and I then decided to, when I, we were in the journalism world, to jump to the dark side, which was um, in-house communications and and PR. So, oh, but you could do uh, worse, I guess. But <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, yeah, and then I, I found my feet at, at MLA for a number of years and, and I think that really gave me the foundations of, I guess, the rest of my career, to yeah, be honest well, with you. All of those all of those skills have played out, you know, and, be, and are useful skills, I guess. Now, you, you've suggested a name for this episode that's um, Australia's Ag Tech 33-year overnight success, which is quite curious and leads us into how you came into working with Auctions Plus. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a short story, to be honest with you. Uh, so if, if everybody's got a <laughs> no, couple of minutes. Yeah, get a um, cup of tea, sit down, let's yeah. let's go through it. That's right. No, <laughs> I, um, I'd done a, a number of jobs post-MLA um, and and for me it was just about continuing to learn and, and lean into areas that I wasn't overly good at. So, you know, I left MLA and I, I try, tried, um, you know, marketing. I then jumped into funds management. Um, I then realised I wasn't overly good um, with numbers. So then I went and did an MBA. Um, and I just kind of, for me, it was that gradual growth of identifying dark spots in my learning and knowledge and and, and kind of taking a sideways step to go and try and pick up those skills. That all kind of uh, it was great for a number of years, but then I got married and I had uh, a baby boy and I had another baby girl on the way. Gosh. Uh, and I had uh, two businesses that I had started. I had an e-commerce platform that allowed Australian merchants to sell their products straight into the Chinese market. Uh, and I was also doing some consulting. Um, the scary thing about having a family and, you know, having two jobs that weren't creating enough money was that, you know, ends didn't start to meet. Yeah, there's, um, no, there's not a lot of sleep there, is there? Not a lot of sleep <laughs> and, and, and not a lot coming in. Um, there's probably more going out. And so I found myself in a, in a pretty dark spot and probably one of the um, you know, the real low moments of my life where I had to give up, you know, two things that I loved, that I'd created, that I'd built and, and take another, you know, uh, turn. So I was at another crossroads in my life and and really needed to kind of stop and reflect and work out what I needed next. Um, and from there, you know, I knew what I needed to do, which was to, to go and find a you know, a, a solid job where I could continue to grow personally, but 
also support um, you know these two beautiful kids that were that were in the world. So um, I was having a chat with the former CEO of Auctions Plus, Anna Spear, who's a dear friend, um, at a after an FFN board meeting. We were both on the board meeting, and I was probably I probably wasn't as as calm about it as I am now. I was probably having a bit of a whinge <laughs> about, about the situation, and Anna was really kind and caring, and and. You know, she actually gave me a call the following week and said, hey, you know, we might have something for you, contract role, six months, you know, come kind of come in and, and make it your own and, and make it what you want. So I was really fortunate that someone gave me a chance um, and I grabbed that and I guess the rest is history. Isn't it amazing though when you think that when you're in those depths of despair when things just look so rubbish, um, it's amazing what gems come out and what opportunities do and even if they don't feel like great opportunities at the time what it's amazing what can happen so that sort of did happen for you it opened up quite a few doors massively and I think it's just you can reflect now when you're in a probably a better headspace and I think it's um you know your life's made up of bunches of different crossroads um and it's about getting yourself into a spot to almost accept I'm in that crossroad you know, am I turning right? Am I turning left? And also, why? You know, what's the what's the driver for me to to turn right or turn left or, or keep going? Um, and I think it's you know it, it's it's that infinite way of thinking of you know you know if I turn right and I don't like it, I can turn left a little bit further down the road. There's always options. There's always an option. Correct. Yeah, so now you are CEO of Auctions Plus, which is a huge trajectory at the moment. You've mentioned that you you know you're going back into um, horse sales and that sort of thing, but you know there's a fair bit of energy and trajectory around it. So w- what's next? What's what are you working on at the moment with Auctions Plus? At the moment, we're we're very much focusing on betting down, you know, our core business, which is uh, you know the digital marketplace, um, and we've got a huge focus still on commercial livestock, which is our bread and butter and has been for 33 years, um, but. I guess COVID has been um, both exciting, humbling, um, and also a little bit scary, all mixed into one, um, due to the growth that has that has come to Auctions Plus. And so it's now just kind of how do we respond to that as a business? Um, how do we continue to add value to the ag sector? Uh, how do we continue to stay true to who we are uh, and the mission and, and vision that we? That, that we are on as a business um, and how can we continue to add, you know, um, be good people um, and, and grow good people uh, within our team. So, yeah, it, there's, there's a fair bit of kind of working through for us as a business, but as a whole, the foundations are rock solid and there's some really exciting opportunities for us in, in the future. And I guess, you know, going back to, to what I said before, the 33-year overnight success, just I'm a bit curious about that because Auctions Plus – has been around, as we keep saying, for 33 years, which is quite a lot longer than some people would um, believe. But it, it, when you say it's an overnight success, is that just because it's been such a big trajectory in the last few months? Yeah, I think so. And I think it's, um, you know, a lot of people talk, you know, um, not just ag tech, but but innovation, um, you know, and, and new startup technologies that, God, they were an overnight success, or they were a unicorn. Um, and without a doubt, there's some incredible stories there, um, and, and very much so in the Australian um, startup world. 
But I think what it shows is that for some companies, it's really around consistency and real resilience and continual evolution um, to actually be able to, to grow and create a product um, that meets the needs of, of a market. Um, you know, and I think I speak at a lot of startup um, kind of meetups and, and conferences and everybody, you know, you show the, the growth you know, the hockey stick. Um, <laughs> and all the lingo. The, you got all the lingo all the for the lingo, startups and the pivots right. and, and the things. And everyone's going, wow, wow, wow. And, you know, it's, what's the secret? Um, and I actually, for, for us as a business, it's just time. Um, time to build trust uh, with your customers. Time to learn from your customers. Time to evolve um, and really just grow within a market. Um, instead of necessarily coming in and trying to dictate terms. Uh, and as we know, in the ag sector, it's very much supportive of a collaborative approach and, and win-win. And for us as a business, that's what our founders kind of thought. And, and, and I guess we aim to carry that on. And what you're alluding to there too are strong relationships. And I guess, you know, with an online platform like yourselves, sometimes that's quite hard. So how do you really you know, grow those relationships and, and maintain that level of trust and, and community? Yeah, it's one of the questions that we get, not just from, I guess, from the, the startup community, but very much so from the agricultural community. And um, for us, we have a team of uh, client managers that are direct, um, that have direct contact with all of our distributors, uh, and they speak to them on a daily basis. Um, so first and foremost is, yes, while we're a tech company, you can still pick up the phone and have a chin wag to us. And I think that's really important. Uh, the second thing is it really does come down to the people that we recruit uh, and we retain. Um, we have the most incredible team um, and they are just so united in our cause of, you know, helping farmers be better. Uh, and, you know, they, a lot of them are off farms. Um, a lot of them have studied ag science or, or agribusiness in some format. There's also plenty that haven't uh, and just genuinely love livestock or, or agriculture. So we've got an eclectic mix of people who just genuinely want to help people down the other end of the phone, uh, I think is the second thing. And the third thing for us is really successfully kind of creating a digital community and doing it authentically. Uh, and that's the really hard thing that uh, digital businesses can be accused of is, you know, you might search for some uh, shoes on ASOS and all of a sudden, sudden ASOS is following you all around the web. For us, it's, it's not creating that stalking behaviour, but it's actually how can we make it feel like we are on the ground through digital means um, and our marketing and, and digital engagement team that's their philosophy. So being accessible but not in your face. Correct. Yeah. So that that is a very hard line to walk in sort of modern um, digital platform. Yeah, it is. And we get it right sometimes and we get it wrong other times. What we do know is that we just try to be true to ourselves um, because ourselves as a team, uh, we believe are really closely aligned to our customers. Uh, so, um, you know, a lot of people say put your – self in your customer's shoes and we do that every single day 
um, you know, and I think we don't have to force ourselves to do that. That just naturally happens. Um, and I think it's it's recognising that and then finding that balance between value um, and, you know, the commercial gains that a business is seeking. But at the end of the day, if you look after what we've learned is if you look after our team, they will look after our clients and the commercial outputs kind of look after themselves. You know, that's not the focus. That's an output. If we're doing a good job, then the growth looks after itself. That's not what we're chasing. We're not chasing growth. It's really about chasing value. Value and quality by the sounds of it. Yep. So now we're here, we're talking because of Beef Australia. I understand, well, you have been involved in any number, heap of roles actually over the time with Beef Australia, including the Next Gen Committee and um, Beef Promotion Committee. And then this year you're also a mentor with the Graham Acton Beef Connections Program. So, you know, um, how did you first become involved in, in a Beef Australia event? My first involvement with Beef Australia was when I was working for Meat and Livestock Australia. Fancy that. MLA had a, a big trade stand and um, the role that I was in the communications team with MLA um, managing the, the, the Beef Australia event and sponsorship landed in my bucket. So that was a such a wonderful way to kind of jump into the event, you know, and to meet um, so many wonderful people and so many inspirational people and just connect with the industry and then from there I obviously left MLA um, post that and Alice Greenup who's a who's a friend had called and I think she might have been on the board at the time or or was on another advisory committee and had said look they're looking to, to create um, I guess this consumer facing committee would you be interested um, and you know again another opportunity that someone was kind enough to think of me. See, that's nice because that also sounds like a friend dobbing you into a um, volunteer role that takes up a lot of time, which a very meaningful amount of time. Like, don't get me wrong, but <laughs> it's a double-edged sword, that dobbing in. It's in the fine print, yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so then um, Beef Connections um, came up this year and um, I was speaking to Barb and I said, look, you know, I don't know what I've got to offer or because um, I'm still very much learning and, and, and trying to suck in as much as I can. But I said, if there's somebody out there who you think would get something out of having a yarn to me, then, you know, throw me in the mix. Um, so that, that's kind of my journey with Beef Australia. And to be honest with you, it's the best week of, of my three years. Um, and, our t- <laughs> and our team our team at Oxens Plus who were there last Three years ago, I keep saying last year. I think that's habit. Look, I think everyone that I've spoken to on this podcast has said last year. To be fair, um, and I've yes. caught myself doing it as well. You're not alone. Yes. <laughs> so three years ago, uh, we still have a number of our team who who attended beef, and uh, they reminisce about it regularly. So uh, <laughs> now that we've started planning for uh, 2021 beef, um, everybody's kind of nudging towards our event manager, trying to make sure they're on the list to get up there. So um, Yeah, that's right. It would be a bit of, you know, rough and tackle, wouldn't it, to be able to get on the list to go to Rocky? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, it's not only is it a, a wonderful experience to just be surrounded by that many incredible people 
in the, in the beef industry and to feel the vibe and energy that that brings. But it's also a really great, I guess, learning and development experience. You know, how do I, how do I speak to clients? How do I stand on my feet when I'm super tired and and still remain switched on, um, even when I'm, you know, I'm at the bar or <laughs> you know I'm at breakfast getting bacon and egg rolls, you know, at six o'clock before the trade stand opens up. So it is a um, marathon, and that's actually that's a very good point because I've been itching to ask some people that question because I struggle with that myself when you're on all week and you're trying to maintain some level of intelligence but your, your eyes are falling out of your head oh it's exhausting yeah. um and it's you, you you probably take three years to recover i think that's why they have it every three years <laughs> pretty well i would imagine so no that's good that you're you know getting your team in on a few of those those tips actually and you know at least you get to go definitely i would have thought anger so you don't even have to compete that's oh, I guess that's one of the perks. Yeah. Um, one of one of the one of the few perks, which is great. Um, but no, it's it's just you know it, I was only talking to um, a friend of mine um, about beef, and we just were. I just said I'm just so excited to be around people again, you know. <laughs> and um, after the the 12 months that everybody's had, I think it's just gonna there's gonna be so much um, energy and and kind of just all bundled up into five days. So exactly. kind of look out Rockhampton. And a lot of a lot of dinners and lunches and all of the good things as well, which I guess I do want to just pause a minute on your role as a mentor going, going back to that. Who are you working with and can you give us a bit of an insight into what um, what's going to be coming out of that particular program for you and your mentee? My mentor partner is an incredible young woman called Chloe Gould. Uh, Chloe works at Tease Australia and um, she's an absolute superstar who is without a doubt um, a future leader in the ag sector. Um, in the first, it's been a bit difficult due to COVID. Uh, we've, we've, we haven't actually met face-to-face. We're the only mentor group that hasn't met face-to-face. Um, <laughs> no pressure. Which is, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> but it's it's been a bit tough because uh, they had a catch-up in January, but um, I was stuck in Sydney um, and, and border restrictions in Sydney, mm-hmm. which restricted me from getting up there. So we've done a lot of our meetings over Zoom and, and, and plenty of phone calls, and it's it's been different. Um, but I would have to say, you know, Chloe's kind of taken it all in a stride and isn't someone to whinge. She kind of is an absolute rock star. Uh, oh, from that perspective and what's she working on because everyone sort of my understanding is, is a project is that the right word is it yep. a project yep so what's her yep. project so chloe's project uh, she's looking to launch a podcast dedicated to the seed stock sector so kind of a behind the scenes or how have you built this um type podcast of all of the major and minor i guess seed stock businesses in australia it's just, a, I guess, a wonderful way to share knowledge and share the successes uh, because, as we know, everybody in the seed stock sector does it a little bit differently. Mm. Um, and for those that are wanting to kind of get into that, um, into the, the breeding game and the, and the stud game, what are the best ways and business models and strategies to, to, to kind of take? So um, that's uh, whilst Chloe works in the meat game uh, she does have a big passion for the seed stock game and 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 how the seed stock sector can 
you know, with genetics, improve meat eating quality. So she's kind of working her way back down the supply chain. Awesome. Well, that sounds like a fascinating podcast. So we're going to have to really keep an, keep an ear out for that one. Now, I just want to go back to, um, you know, my, my shameless stalking online. And I, there's a little line on your LinkedIn profile that says, Angus believes that with a little country music, genuine conversations and a motto of the sum of us beats the one of us, we can shape the future of the ag sector. I think we've covered off on the on the, you know, collaborative approach to, to business and the genuine conversations and those relationship buildings. But I just want to know, how does a little bit of country music, how is that working in with everything to sort of shape the future of the ag sector, Angus? Well, I don't think it does. Um, oh, if I'm it's, it, it's there. <laughs> it's in writing. I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think what it does is, you know, music is that great uh, connector, um, you know, and, and I ask a lot of, employees or potential employees uh, that I'm interviewing for roles at Auctions Plus, you know, what's the top three songs on your playlist? Oh, my goodness. On your Spotify playlist now. And and I think it's a really great, like, you can talk about the weather, um, and, but that's a bit dry. And then you can maybe talk about sport, but, you know, that's also quite niche. But music, <laughs> you know, most people have a have a kind of – a music following or have a passion. And even if it's like, I just love today FM um, and I listen to whatever's on, you know, I just think it's a, it's, it's a really great place to connect. And, and obviously mine is, uh, is country music. I can't sing. I can't dance. It'd be a dream of mine too. Um, I would see when we see, I was thinking you're putting together like playlists then for big office dance parties on a Friday or something. Then if you were asking the top three, oh, <laughs> I would the country music um, is definitely the uh, genre of choice in the Auctions Plus office. <laughs> so uh, what are your top three? My top three. Uh, at the moment, um, I love uh, Brad Cox, uh, Long Live Love, I think it is. He's a um, – I just discovered him recently. One of the team threw me um, his, his Spotify link. And um, I, I even believe it kind of came up because – I think he registered to be a user on Options Plus, and you know everyone squealed. Is that the Brad Cox? Um, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, it wasn't. Oh, it was just poor Brad. Yeah, poor Brad. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Brad's got uh, bigger things to be doing than buying cattle and sheep. Uh, he's singing, you know, around Australia. But no, I, I've uh, I've got onto Brad Cox um, and Long Live Love. Okay, that's one. Two more. That's two more. Well, top three. I'm interviewing um, you this three. time, so this yeah, is about. Yeah, this is tough, isn't it? It's really tough. Uh, top three. So that's Greg Cox. I. What else am I into? I love Talladega uh, by Dirk Bentley, mm-hmm. uh, and I love um, oh, Garth Brooks. Uh, the dance. Ah, classic. there you go. Yes, that's a classic one. I, I know a couple of them, so I'm quite happy that was. <laughs> and I guess while we're talking about uh, favourite things, I've asked everybody who's been a guest on this podcast what their favourite cut of beef is uh, to eat. So, do you, you know, you've got young kids. Um, I'm assuming you have quite a big assumption, but a modern household, so you do a bit of share of cooking and that sort of thing. What are you cooking for your average weekday dinner? Ed, favourite, favourite. Beef cut. A lot of mince, bolognese. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think I think a lot anybody who has young kids would would say bolognese would be up there with one of the most 
and it's an, for, for a dad that's you know that's an essential yeah. kind of essential recipe in the playbook but my favorite cut of uh of meat would actually be um a rump cap um what? yeah so if you actually during my days at MLA I watched many um I guess meat dissection and and cutting um presentations mm-hmm. and and quite often they would uh, pull apart uh, a rump a full rump and and, and, and split it up into, you know, various different cuts. And, and, and the rump cap for me, uh, you can either roast it or cut it up into steaks, is just, like, it is juicy, but it is also tasty. So it's oh, like a great mix between, a, you know, um, a ribeye and a sirloin. Well, that sounds utterly delicious. And look, I'm not bagging mince. And I have to say, you're the second person in our podcast history to, to mention mince, the other one being um, Beef Australia's chair, Bryce Cam. Um, mm. So, so uh, that's also impressive. But the rump cap does, you've certainly made it sound very mouthwatering. Anyway, I think, Angus, um, we might leave it there for today. Uh, I, I, by the sounds of it, you've got plenty to get on with, so we'll leave you there. But thank you so much for talking to us, and we'll see you at Beef 21. Thanks, Jane, and congratulations to the Beef Committee for all that they've done. Uh, Looking forward to May. We all are. See you there. Beef Australia is proudly supported by our principal partners. Thanks to the Australian Government Department of Agriculture, Water and the Environment, the Queensland Government, Meat and Livestock Australia and the Rockhampton Regional Council. Thanks for listening. You can hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. And if you are enjoying listening to the show, we would appreciate a quick rating and review. Visit beefaustralia.com.au for more information on this great event.